week. One guy. Thank you, brother, for being with me this morning. Good morning. Good to see you. <laughs> Good morning. Everybody put the donuts down and step away from the kitchen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I am so glad to be here this morning. You glad to be here this morning, brother? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise team is coming on in. Y'all come on up on here. I told you the last ones to come in have to be on the praise team. <clears throat> Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Yes. Amen. Well, glory to God. Is spring break still going on? So we just got people playing hooky then. Okay. Well, all right. Glory to God. They must, they must have heard I was going to come preach on their street this week. Amen. <clears throat> you know, uh, how many of you came in here this morning, read at least one day or one, a, few, a few hours or a few minutes in your Bible? How many? Come on, I want to see your hands. Okay. That's the people that started revival in your life. Revival comes from the inside, not from the outside. <clears throat> I had a, uh, my wife and I used to go to uh, a lot of events where they had a lot of praise and worship going. But we just, we chased God everywhere trying to find revival. And then one day we, Got a word from the Lord. He says, uh, revival is in you. His name is Jesus. And you got to feed Jesus the word of God, and then he'll start reviving your life. And that's what happened to Miss Brenda and I. And that's what will happen to you when the day you become obedient to the word of God. Can I get an amen? Well, let's get on our feet and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory this morning, Lord. We thank you for the word that's going to come forth today, Lord God, that it is going to revive us in our spirit, man. Our flesh may not feel a thing other than our toes getting stepped on, but it's going to revive our spirit, man. When our spirit, man, gets revived and we start listening to our spirit instead of listening to our fleshly desires, then we will be revived in your word. Father God, we just love you. We appreciate you. <clears throat> I turn this service over to you this morning. We're going to enter into praise and worship this morning, Father God, and we thank you that you prepare our hearts, that the music and the singing and the raising of our hands prepares our hearts to receive what you have for us today. And I give you all praise and all glory in Jesus' name. And all the believers said, amen. amen. Well, I know you're hurting, see it in your eyes. So pull back the curtain, take off your disguise. Whoever told you it ain't worth the fight? The cross tells story, change your mind. There's only love in the heart of God. 
Shaking his hand, writing you out, leaving you lost. No, he's not sitting there shaking his hand, wishing he never went to that cross. He's not sitting there shaking his hand, writing you out, leaving you lost. He's not sitting there shaking his hand, went to that cross, went to that cross, cause he loves you so much. Whoa. reach to somebody, you know. I know we talk about it all the time. Pastor and I are good at it. <laughs> you know, bringing everything you got, you know, and uh, all your past and the regrets and the fears and all that. You know, but it's just so true. It's so simple. You know, he's going to take care of it, you know, if you just let him.
praying God come turn this thing around God turn it around God turn it around God turn it around calling on the name changes everything God turn it around, God turn it around, God turn it around. All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. Praying God come. Turn this thing around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. We're calling on your name. It changes everything. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. something he is up to something god is doing something right now he is up to something he is up to something god is doing something higher right now he is healing someone he is saving someone god is doing something right now right now he is healing someone he is saving someone God is doing something All of my hope is in the name The name of Jesus Breakthrough will come Come in the name The name of Jesus And all of my hope is in the name The name of Jesus turn it around God turn it around God turn it around God turn it around he turned it around he turned it around over 2,000 years ago and we can be we can be thankful for that one that's for sure we serve a loving, merciful, and great God. Under all circumstances, God is good.
getting a little bit closer to Easter. So uh, for practice here, it's time for Ain't No Grave. Austin, I want to hear you. Oh, shame is a present. As cruel as a grave, and shame is a robber, and he's come to take my name. Oh, love is my redeemer, lifting me up from the ground. And love is a power when my freedom song is found. There ain't no grave. 
Gonna hold my body down, there ain't no brain. Hold my body down. When I hear that trumpet sound, gonna rise up out of the ground. There ain't no grave. Hold my body down. Between death and life, and there on a tree, the Lamb of God was crucified, and he went on down to hell, took back every key. Oh, he rose up as a lion, and he set all his captives free. There ain't no grave. Can you give the Lord a clap offering? Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, listen. You may think that's talking about the end times. When after you're already dead and gone. How many of you know there's no tomorrow? There's no tomorrow promised. He's talking about the grave of depression. He's talking about the grave of silence. He's talking about the grave of being inhibited by people around you so you don't raise your hands and praise the, the living God. Hallelujah. There's a grave you can be in not right now. How many of you want to get set free from that grave? Then throw your arms in the to the heavens and say, I love you, Jesus. Glory to God. We got to get excited about what's going on in this, this today. Amen. It may look gloomy out there. Hey, 
It may be doom and gloom in the world. Well, we're not, we're in this world, but we're not of it. Amen. Well, glory to God. I'm not going to keep hollering at you. Whoo! I get excited. Praise God. Glory to God. I love seeing the power of God at work in the lives of people. Amen. Amen. Well, take a couple of minutes, get out of your chairs, go shake somebody's hand or love on, tell them you're glad they're here today. Well, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, we want to welcome everyone this morning to Hill Country Cowboy Church. Praise God. We want to welcome those who are joining us by live stream this morning. Praise the Lord. We're glad you're here this morning. While we're uh, doing some church business, you can be making sure you have your Bible with you. Because if you don't bring your Bible to church, uh, you're coming to church uh, defenseless. Amen? Or you're coming to church with nothing that you can check the preacher on. Amen. I'd like you to read the word for yourself. Can I get an amen to that? Hallelujah. 
We want to give a special welcome to any first-time visitors we have here in the house today. If this is your first time at Hill Country Cowboy Church, if you would, just raise your hand and hold it up just for a moment. Praise God. We're glad you're here. This morning, we got a new couple over here. Where else? Hallelujah. Who's clapping? Thank you, brother. <laughs> what, are y'all still asleep? I said we have a new couple over here. <laughs> Hallelujah. I miss one Wednesday night service, and it's like y'all go to sleep. That's what I heard. Matter of fact, uh, I was told I, was, I ought to be happy that y'all didn't change the locks on me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, Men, come back one more time. We do uh, teach the, the gift of tithing here so you can just stay in God's graces as far as your finances go. I can, I can testify to you that until I became a tither, and I don't, I don't know who in here does or who does not tithe, but, but until I or Miss Brendan and I became tithers, our finances were always in dire straits. Didn't matter how much money we made. We made over six figures at that time. And didn't matter how much money, we still had trouble paying the bills. So if you want God on your financial team, you need to be obedient to his word. You can be turning in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And if you need to tithe an offering envelope, if you would, raise your hand. These young men will put one in it. Bud said, uh, thanks for the... Compliment, praise the Lord. Bud's young at heart, praise God. Hallelujah. And he keeps his head shaved so we don't know what color hair he's got. That's kind of like me, you know. Hallelujah. Men, come back one more time. We're going to be passing out some prayer request cards. How many of you in here believe that God answers prayers? How many of you believe that God answers prayers that you don't ask? Uh-oh, see, you wasn't paying attention to me. God don't answer prayers that you don't ask him. Amen. Amen. He can't read your mind. Hallelujah. Some, some people in here said, well, he can read my mind. If he did, you'd start acting better. Hallelujah. Uh, but if you, need a tie, if you need a prayer request card, raise your hand and we'll put one in it. You can pray for anybody. You can pray for yourself. You can pray for your family. You can pray for your pastor. You put a need on there and we'll pray for it. I speak the word of God. My wife's a good prayer. But I, me, I just was simple. Just I talk to God just like he's my daddy. Because he is. So when I get your prayer request, I just speak God's word over it because I don't think there's any more powerful, anything more powerful than his word. Amen. So I speak his word over your request. There's two places on there. So one of them says private. One of them says, okay, to share, if you, if you check the private uh, box, we will not mention your uh, name, the person you're praying for's name, but we will pray for the need. Amen. Amen. Had one request turned in, didn't have no name at the top, didn't have no name to the person to pray for, just put the needs. Isn't that what I just said we prayed for? So we just prayed for the needs for everybody. Amen. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 18. It says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he 
who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. That's just what I said, but he said it better than I did. We got in covenant agreement with God years ago. I don't remember how many years ago. I think it was around 1997. We got in covenant agreement with God, and it didn't happen overnight. He didn't turn our financial situation around overnight because it took us 30 years to get it that way. Amen. And God likes to see our faithfulness. That way I couldn't just plunk some money in the bucket and say, yeah, I'm tithing. Then next week I don't because the bills are due or some kind of a need comes up. And I said, well, I got to put the tithe aside because I got to meet all these other needs first. No, it didn't matter what. Every week, I gave the check to God first. <clears throat> he said, bring your first fruits, not your leftovers. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand and give our offerings to the Lord. If you have an offering this morning, let's raise it to heaven. Hallelujah. Offer it up to him. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to come into your house and worship you with our tithes, our gifts, and our offerings. Father, we ask that you receive them and you multiply them to the spreading of your gospel and multiply them, Father God, back into the households of the givers, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold, according to their faith, Father. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. You may be seated. Any special announcements this morning? Well, if there ain't no special ones, <clears throat> we'll move on. Praise God. I do want to thank everyone in here uh, because we did, was called away uh, last weekend to uh, go see my mother. She was having some medical issues, but praise God, she's healed. Amen? Amen. Amen. So she told me this morning, I talked to her every Sunday morning. She said, be sure and tell the church, thank you for their prayers. So thank you for your prayers. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, kids, y'all ready to go to church? All right. Where's my runners at? Oh, he's not running anymore. He's got to take little sister. Come on. Everybody look at them kids and say, man, I wish I had that kind of energy. All right, I'm going to expect all of y'all running through the door next Sunday. Amen. Not running out the door, running in the door. Amen. Stretch your hand out toward them, Father. We thank you for each and every child back there, Lord God. We thank you that they are learning your word. They are learning who Jesus is. They're learning that Jesus is their everything. They get to have a great time back there having fun, Father God. But they are, most of all, Father God, they're being taught the word of God. Because the word of God is what will keep them to what may come in their futures if you tarry. We give you praise and glory, Lord, in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. All right. How many of you are excited about the Word of God? We've only got one set of visitors, and I don't don't mean to call you out, but I like everybody to have a Bible. Would you all like to have a Bible to hold and to look at, or you have your own? All right. All right. Praise the Lord. And feel free if you've got a marker to mark up in it. That way the next, if you need a Bible at home, go ahead and keep it. But if not, as a gift from us, we don't mind. We give them away. Because, listen, 
I am very serious about the Word of God. The Word of God set me free. Amen. I love praise and worship. You'll see me moving. and I may not be moving to the right beat, but I'm moving. Amen. Got my own beat. I'm serious. We went to a church in San Antonio, and I mean, I've always been that way. That I just let the music flow through me, not to me. <clears throat> Amen. So all during service, I was just a moving, and it was a, it was a 90, not a 90, probably a 70% uh, black church. And I, I have no, I'm not a color man, okay? I'm just giving you this for an instance. And after service, this one just sweet lady came over to me, and she said, Brother, I love you, but you do not have rhythm. You're on the wrong beat. So I started watching her every service, and I just get on the same beat when she was on. <clears throat> Praise God. I don't know why I said that, but I did. And I can't take it back. It's already out there. Hallelujah. Well, let's be turning in our Bibles to uh, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. This is going to excite all you Old Testament folks in here. Hallelujah. And as many of you already know, God put it on my heart uh, some months back, my wife would tell me, baby, it was over a year ago, I don't know, but to teach messages that uh, are relative to the time we're living, to preach messages that would prepare us spiritually for what would we would be seeing coming on this earth. So this morning, he is, uh, or this past week, he has led me to put together this message teaching you about standing firm on God's word, uh, that the foundation of our faith is actually based on the word of God. So here in Daniel chapter seven, we're going to see a prophetic word uh, that is also a warning to all of us, but it also brings great insight to what's going on in our world and to what's going on around us right now in our everyday lives. And I believe it's going to be a great help to us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word of God that you're going to bring forth this morning, Lord. I thank you that the anointing is on the word, not the person. And I thank you that the anointing can break down every wall that may be in the hearts of your people, Lord God, that, they, that you prepare their hearts to receive this word today. And that they not only hear it with their physical ears, but they hear it with their heart, Father God. And they put this word down on the inside of their heart, and they change from the inside out. That your word is life-changing, Father. And I just turn this service over to you right now. Let the meditations of my heart and the words that proceed out of my mouth edify. Edify your people, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's look at this in Daniel 7. And again, this is a prophetic warning, not to only Daniel and the people of that day, but primarily to our day. How many of you know that all prophecy is for present tense? Amen. Hallelujah. Because he's going to be pointing to the end. 
And how many of you believe right now that the end is upon us? Well, if you don't believe that, you need to get your head out of the sand and change your last name from ostrich. Because I'm telling you, the end is upon us. We can't be any closer to the rapture of the church than we are right now. Amen. Well, with us knowing that, it makes, that, it makes it vitally important that we understand what the prophet Daniel is going to be saying to us about the end times. So I want you to look at the monitor because I'm going to read this out of the, the uh, Amplified Bible. You can mark it in your Bible, whatever it says. Daniel chapter 7, verse number 25. Say amen when you're there. Hallelujah. How many of you love the word? Glory to God. In Daniel chapter 7, verse number 25, he says, and he, now how many of you know he's talking about the Antichrist? If you read the, the, the before scriptures in Daniel chapter 7, you'll know he's talking about the end times and the Antichrist. He says, and he, the Antichrist, shall speak words against the Most High God and shall wear out whatever word right there is in your Bible. I want you to circle it or underline it. And shall wear out who? The saints. He'll wear out the saints of the Most High. How many of you know that's his goal? That his goal is to wear you out and wear you down. Look at this. And think to change the time of sacred feasts and holy days and the law. In other words, change the word of God. A lot of Christians do that. They change the word of God to fit their lifestyle. And think to change the time of the sacred feast and holy days and of the law. And the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, two times, and a half time. Or in other words, three and one half years. So basically, this is talking about the seven, year, seven years of tribulation. When the Antichrist uh, comes on the scene, actually I believe the Antichrist is alive on the earth today. And even though he cannot be revealed until you and I are gone, he, the, the Bible says he cannot be revealed until the church is gone. So even though uh, he can't be revealed until after we're gone, I believe he is here, and actually he's holding a very powerful political position even as we speak. Uh but the point I'm wanting to make is right before Jesus comes back, Satan, through the Antichrist, uh, will have a goal uh, to wear you out. He wants to wear you out and wear you down. That's why he brings the pressures on our lives. The word wear out in the Hebrew means, listen to this, to fail by wearing down or afflicting of the mind. To wear down, to fail by the wearing down or the afflicting of the mind. So Satan wants the saints of God to fail by afflicting or bringing pressure against their minds. His goal is to get you to quit on God. His goal is to get you to quit coming to church. His goal is to get you to quit on believing the spiritual truths. In other words, he wants you to give up standing on God's word, uh, because the uh, because of the pressures He's putting on your life, uh, that's what they do. That's what they're designed to do. 
He puts pressures on you uh, uh, to your marriage, trying to get you to have a spirit of division come in there and get you to bickering back and forth. You know, sometimes we call it loud fellowship. But he puts the pressures on each of the people in the relationship to get them to come into the division. You know why? Because a house divided will fall, not maybe, not most of the time, every time. That's why my counsel to folks who come into my office and they'll say, you know, we're just having these problems in our marriage and, we, you know, she does this and he does that and he does this and she does that. And I say, you're both wrong. You're both wrong. Because you're both not walking in love. And that's what the devil wants you to do. You're falling right into his trap. And I see it all the time in marriages. My son gave me, gave me a wise saying one time. He said, Dad, I don't know what's going on in America. <clears throat> Him and his wife have been married 17 years now. I think. Twenty. Oh, my God. See how, <laughs> see how I don't have a clue what time it is? 23 years. <laughs> God, wow, it made me just feel that much older. <laughs> but they've been married for 23 years now. And he said, Dad, nowadays... Young couples are practicing divorce. They're not practicing to live with one another forever. They're not taking their vows seriously. Till death do us part. Now, don't go out and shoot your spouse, okay? Amen. But he puts pressure on your marriage. He puts pressure on your finances. You're not going to be able to pay this bill this week if you pay them tithes. Has anybody other than me ever heard that? Just one person, my wife? Okay. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Praise the Lord. But you understand what I'm trying to tell you, that he puts pressures on us. Amen. He wants you to give up. He wants you to stop doing the things of God. See, uh, Satan's primary attack will always come in the mental arena first. I'm going to say that again. Satan's primary attack will always come in the mental arena first. The devil cannot, listen to me, the devil cannot do anything in your life without you giving your consent. So he's got to put thoughts. The only way he can get your consent is to put thoughts in your mind and get you to agree with it. I'm sick. I'm depressed. I'm fat. I'm skinny. Are you hearing me? Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you all these so you'll recognize his attack when he comes. I told a couple here a while back that was having some, uh, a few problems. I said, listen, your husband is not your enemy. I told him, your wife is not your enemy. Y'all's enemy is Satan. And y'all need to quit fighting each other and start fighting him. And the only way you can do that is get your rear end to look reading this Bible every day. Amen. Sitting down and having Bible study with one another. Discussing the word of God instead of what's, discussing on what's going on in your life. If you'll start discussing more about what's going on in the word of God and applying God's word to your life, then everything will get better in your life. Amen. We're looking to, I, want to say, I was going to say, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> the love of God is what we need to be living. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Satan's primary uh, way of attacking you is through your mental arena. I need you to get a hold of that. He cannot do anything without first putting thoughts in your little bitty head. Hallelujah. Who's got a big head in here? Two of us. Amen. <laughs> His only access to your life is through the doorway of your mind. So in these last days, what he's doing is he's ramping up the pressure on people's mindset. Why? Because he's trying to wear you down. He's trying to wear you down and wear you out. Every day. Now, I want you to pay attention to me now. Every day, slowly and methodically, he'll put one little thought in your head. And then if he sees you pay attention to that thought, then the next day he's going to put a little water on it. The next day he's going to water it some more, maybe put one more thought in your head. Are you seeing what happens? If you allow him to plant a seed in your mind, he will water it and, and nurture it and help you with it, telling you how right you are and how wrong she is, telling you that you're doing all the right moves and everybody else is doing all the wrong moves until you start speaking it out of your mouth. When you speak it out of your mouth, he's got you. Well, I'm just going to leave that church because I don't like the way that preacher's preaching. Had them do it. This devil put a thought in their head. If you go down here, they'll tell you what you need to hear. They'll tell you how much God loves you. They'll tell you that you can live in sin and still get and go to heaven. I'm getting ahead of myself. Hallelujah. Slowly, methodically wearing on people to the point where they open their mouths and they just say, well, I just don't want to do this anymore. It's just too hard. Listen, I've quit a million times, guys, since 1997. It's okay to think that you're going to want to quit, but it's not okay to say it unless you put a but God on the end of it. Amen. I've, I've told Brenda, baby, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't feel like doing this anymore. But God, it ain't about me. It's about him. So Satan's targeted attack is against the minds of the people. Listen to this. To change what they think, that will change the way they believe, which will change the way they live. Amen. That's Satan's goal. Everything you're seeing in this world today, all the darkness, all the evil, all the sick and grotesque and perverse things that you're seeing, all the sick things that you're seeing come upon this earth are to get mankind to believe what they see, to believe what they hear, and to accept the new age culture or what the news calls the new norm. Let me tell you what. There is no new norm in the life of a Christian. It's either the word or nothing. Amen. In order for the devil to get a society or a culture to move in a certain direction, to move them from a place of living godly and living holy, in order for him to move them from a place where they 
think right and uh, live right to a place uh, where they where he can attack and destroy their morals. That's what he's wanting to do. Little bit. Oh, a little bit of sin ain't going to hurt. What does God's word say? A little leaven, leaven the what? The whole loaf. All you bakers in here, put a little bit of yeast in there, it's the whole loaf. There's no such thing as a little bitty white lie or a little bitty sin. Amen. I'm trying to help somebody today. We need to get our lives right. We can't expect God just to be willing just to turn another cheek and just keep smiling at you all the time. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in just a little bit. Amen? Listen, if you're born again this morning, the devil can, cannot touch your spirit, but he can affect your mind if you allow him to. And that's what he's attempting to do. He's wanting to pervert your mindset. So Daniel tells us here just before Jesus comes back that the devil will attack the mindset to change you from thinking what God's word is, uh, that what God's word says is true to thinking what the world says is true. Why? Proverbs 23, 7. Don't turn there, but write it down. Because Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Before anybody ever became a homosexual, they had to believe a lie. Before anybody ever became a lesbian, they had to believe a lie that God made them that way. I got news for you. Turn in your Bible to Genesis. I'm not you, but turn those for the folks that believe that. Turn to Genesis. And God says, in the beginning, he made man, male and female. Not male, and he made a mistake. Not female, and he made a mistake. He put Adam and Eve in the garden, not Adam and Steve. Amen. You'll not get me to back down on that. I love all people. I do not love sin. I, do not, I, love, I don't love that sin any more than I love the sin of two people uh, having sex before marriage. Amen. I don't know why I said that, but I did. Because it's the truth. That's right, sister. Thank you. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the devil knows to twist, to pervert, or to destroy your life, to, uh, to destroy your marriage, to destroy your kids, to destroy your finances, whatever you fill in the blank, to destroy what, who you are. Any destruction he has planned for you, for your marriage, for your family, his first target is going to be your mind. In other words, he's got to get you thinking contrary to God's word. And that's why there's nothing more important, my brothers and sisters, than getting your mind renewed to the word of God. Hallelujah. You see, when your mind is renewed, <coughs> excuse me, hallelujah. Yeah, dry spots won't make me quit preaching either, praise God. <laughs> When your mind is renewed and you start thinking like God thinks, that's your greatest defense. 
That's your greatest defense against the wiles of the devil. That's your greatest. When you start, when you parents start believing like God believes and you start talking like God uh, talks, then the devil cannot attack your children while they're under your uh, household. Amen. When it comes to spiritual protection of your marriage, when it comes to the, to the spiritual protection of your children, when it becomes comes to the spiritual protection of every area of your life, there is nothing more powerful nor greater weapon that you can possess than renewing your mind to the Holy Bible and getting your thinking in line with God's Word. In other words, get rid of your stinking thinking. Amen. Because right now, brothers and sisters, there's an all-out attack against the minds of men, women, and your children. Right now, we live in a world that's covered with darkness. And the enemy is applying a great amount of uh, pressure on the body of Christ to accept what today's culture accepts. And what today's culture accepts is constantly being hurled at you. It's hurled at you as parents. It's hurled at you as young people. It's hurled at you when you go to school, talk to to people who are still in school. It's hurled at you from your coworkers. It's hurled at you where everything you do, from what you watch on TV or television to where you go in society, there's a satanic ideology being hurled at you. How many would agree with that? Amen. We all got to get on the same page, guys. That's the only way we're going to beat this thing. Amen. When he pours, when the devil pours out more, we got to step it up. No longer can we be silent. I'm going to talk to the men. No longer can you men be silent in your homes. No longer can the women lead the household. You need to step up, guys. You haven't seen nothing that's going to be uh, yet that's going to be coming. Amen. It took a few years for my wife to drag me into church. But I thank God she drove me. Amen. And I praise God when I finally got born again. Not just went to church, but I got born again, and God started telling me back then, 25 years ago or plus, the same things I'm telling you this morning. He talked to me man to man. He said, John, you need to step it up, brother. Amen. He said, if you want your family to move forward in God, you got to be the leader. Hallelujah. All the women said, Hey, all the men, get your feet back down on the ground. You picked them up because I'm stepping on them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen, guys, there's an all-out attack against your family. And we got to step it up. Hallelujah. Satan, Satan is hoping to wear the men out. So they'll just let their wives go to church by themselves. Oh, I've heard that before. Pastor John, he's been preaching the same thing for ever since I've been going there. How many years you've been living it? 
Have you been living it since the first time I preached it? Or are you still sitting there and not living it? The doer of the word. Satan hoping to wear people down. Satan wearing you down so you'll bow down and accept a lower moral standard. Well, a few beers ain't going to hurt. Then you sit there and get drunk. Now I'm preaching, ain't I? Hallelujah. <laughs> Might as well just give it up, guys or gals. I'm not just talking to the guys, talking to the girls too. Amen. Probably none of y'all ladies in here. There might be one lady watching my live stream that might have a drinking problem. Need to put it down. Can, can you just imagine? I just want everybody to think right now how much money you've saved since you stopped that business. And if you ain't stopped, you better stop. And you'll start saving a lot of money. Amen. And if you don't stop, don't come into my church asking me to help you with your finances. Amen. Because it ain't going to happen. Amen. First thing I'm going to ask you, do you drink? Well, yeah, a few beers, you know. You smoke? Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. And then they start getting uncomfortable, see. I say, well, okay, just as an average, you know, just between me and you, how much money do you spend a month? I don't know, three, four hundred dollars. Well, stop all that trash and save yourself three, four hundred dollars a month. Give yourself a raise. <laughs> got off a of quiet in God's house. We better move on. This that's all Holy Ghost, guys. You won't find that in my notes. So somebody in here other than me needs to hear that. I don't need to hear it from my present day position, but I need to hear it back then. So the Holy Ghost telling me somebody's relating to that. So might as well just keep it going until I really get it in their hearts that they need to give that business up. All right, praise the Lord. But the devil is in, uh, putting everything he can to get us to believe what society believes. When your children go to public school, there's an enormous pressure put on them to change the way they think. It's called indoctrination. That's, why many, that's what many colleges do. They indoctrinate the young minds that go there to believe what is culturally acceptable. And if, uh, and you'll, if you'll take time to think about it, the greatest attack, uh, attack on our cultural beliefs or on cultural beliefs has been perpetrated on our children. The devil wants your children. And the only way he can do that or get them is, is if he can change the way they think. Parents, grandparents, church, listen to me. We should all become a defense mechanism guarding over our children's minds. It's up to us to tell, tell our children we don't think that way. It's up to us to tell our children we don't talk that way and we don't act that way. It don't matter what they're saying in school. We're going to raise our kids according to God's word, not according to this present culture of darkness. Are you with me? Amen. Well, Pastor, don't you think we should just be like other churches? Don't you think we should just at least listen to what the other side has to say? Don't you think if we spent more time in praise and worship 
and less time preaching the word or at least preach less, sin, less about sin, pastor, and more about grace and acceptance. We like the grace and God loves you messages. Don't you think that God's standards are just a little bit too high? I mean, if we just lowered the standards just a little bit, don't you, just, don't you think more people would come? Guess what? I'm not after more people. Amen. God didn't call me to gather people. He called me to teach the word of God. And people who like hearing God's word will come and stay. People who don't like hearing God's word will come and leave. And there's nothing I can do about that because I'm not going to change what he told me to do. Amen. Glory to God. My calling is to teach the high standard of God's word regardless of what's going on in this culture. This church, while I'm the chief, while I'm the shepherd, this church will not bow down to society. This church will not change who we are just because the world wants us to. If that's the kind of church you want, you're in the right place. If it's not the kind of church you want, you won't be here very long. It's that simple. Amen. We're not going to accept what the culture wants us to accept. Be turning in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 11. Psalms chapter 11. My brothers and sisters, listen to me. The devil, the government, and many in our educational system are after our children. They're after the next generation. They want to indoctrinate them. They want to uproot the foundations that you've been teaching them. The godly principles, what is pure, what is holy, and what is right. So uh, you're going to have to stand firm, guys. You're going to have to stand firm on God's word as a family on the direction you, you're going to teach your children. I mean, you know, your children are going to go the same direction you go. Amen. That's why I love to see these young couples with these young kids in here. Teaching them, not by just what's coming out of their mouth, but the, by the way they live their lives. Which way the kids could go. Amen. Amen. Look at this in Psalm chapter 11, verse number 3. This is such powerful wisdom. It says in verse 3, it says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations of your life are destroyed, then what can you do? Listen closely to what I'm about to tell you. The wearing down of the saints of God that Daniel talked about through the relentless attacks against your mind, through the extreme pressure to conform to this world. What, what is the enemy trying to do? He's trying to destroy the foundation that we've been built, that's been built in us through God's word. It says, if the foundations be destroyed, the word foundation in the Hebrew means, listen to this, your moral support or attitude. 
if your moral support or attitude is destroyed, you'll believe anything is good. It means moral support. So the enemy is saying if their support system is destroyed, if I can slowly and methodically through social media, through television, through music, through the educational system, if I can slowly and methodically change their moral belief system to accept what is immoral, then I can destroy their foundation. And here's it. And they won't even realize it until it's already too late. Well, I'm here to tell you, it's not too late. All you, if it's been destroyed, guys, all you got to do is repent. But that's just the way the devil thinks. He's gonna, he thinks that the end is over if he gets you down in the ditch. What I found when I got in the ditch, all I had to do is reach up. And Jesus picked me up out of the mud. Pick Jesus, pick Peter up out of the water. Pick John up out of the mud. All we have to do is repent. Amen. But he says, if I can slowly and methodically change their moral belief system, I got them. And that's where many churches are right now. Their spiritual foundation has been destroyed because they give in to the pressures, the, the relentless attacks of compromise <clears throat> on their belief system. And all it takes is a little bit of leaven. All it takes is one apostolate going into a church. And there are devils assigned to most churches, especially the ones that are preaching the word, yeah. to come in and just sow a little bit of discord. Well, you know, I think the pastor shouldn't have been that. And then all they get to, then they get you to agreeing with it. Well, yeah, I, I agree with that. But he preached something last week I didn't like. And then it goes on and on. And before long, he's got you so stirred up. You're just saying, well, I'm leaving that church. I'm not getting anything. That's what a lot of people say. I'm just not getting anything at that church anymore. Because you've closed yourself off to the word of God. Amen. Your spiritual foundation has been destroyed. Or it's at least been hacked against and beat on. You know, if you beat on a piece of concrete long enough, it'll break. I found that out yesterday. There's one big rock <coughs> in an area we was wanting to build a chicken coop in. And I was ready to just put field dirt over it. <laughs> and Brenda says, no, I'll go get the sledgehammer. And I hit that, yeah, for, for me. No, she even said she'd do it, but she came down there and went, I said, give me the. But you find out when you hit that rock enough, or you hit that concrete enough, you hit that foundation enough, it's going to crack. And then you can dig that foundation up and instill any kind of foundation you want there. You can dig the moral sta uh, standard up and put the immoral standard in there. Say, you know what, just a little bit ain't going to hurt you. Pastor won't know it. Your wife won't know it. Your husband won't know it. How I many of you know God does? Amen. 
Yeah, I sure did. I used three tools. She went, the first one didn't work, so she went and got me another one. <laughs> All right, let's move on past that. Y'all got the point, right? But he attacks your foundation. What's he after? What's society in this culture trying to destroy? The foundation of God's word in your life. Listen to me. This nation was founded on God's word. As a matter of fact, it's the only nation on this earth that God ordained to be established on his living word. But what's been happening over the last 200 years since we became a nation, uh, uh, it's been an all-out attack on the foundation of our country. And that's where we are today. People don't even want the Bible. They don't want the Bible in our government. They don't want the Bible in our schools. They don't want the Bible anywhere. And if we've if we got to have a Bible, now they have an all-out move to rewrite the New Testament and write a new Bible. This, and I, hey, there's even preachers that's preaching this, guys. I'm not going to say who they are, but there's preachers that are preaching. Hey, we, this is old, outdated. We need to change this book. Blasphemy. But that's where our country's headed. That's not where we're headed, right? Amen. Hallelujah. People don't even want the Bible. And if you, if you go anywhere, and, you, and probably you, the kids would know this more because they're more bold than most grown-ups, but the kids go somewhere and start mentioning the name of Jesus, they're hated by their friends. They're mocked. You stand up for Christ, you're called a hater. Because you, you're in the way of new age, the new age movement. That's what's happening in our world. We see people calling good evil <clears throat> and evil good. <clears throat> but Isaiah, the word of God, let's go back there. You don't know, just write this down because I'm just going to paraphrase it. But Isaiah 520 says, woe to all those who call evil good and good evil. But this is what we see happening in our world right now which is why I say Jesus could come back at any moment, that you better be living ready. So he's saying if the morals of the culture, if the morals of this present age can be destroyed, then the enemy can come in and build a whole new foundation. If he can just subtly introduce a partial truth, if he can get people to entertain something that isn't right, <clears throat> but it's just almost right. If he can slowly get them moving away from God's word, then he can overthrow and destroy their very foundation. He can over-destroy the foundation of your children if he can get you thinking wrong. I've seen it happen, my brother and sister. <clears throat> Believers that have been saved 20, 30 years Start compromising God's word. Start listening to the wrong kind of music. Start dabbling in a little sin here and a little sin there. And then to compound the problem, they start listening to some famous preacher on TV or on podcast who's preaching a message that's inclusive. 
that God accepts people no matter what lifestyle they choose to live, no matter what gender they, need, they choose to be. That, my brothers and sisters, is a doctrine of devils because it goes against the living word of God, which requires, listen to me, which requires and commands the born-again Christian to live holy. Even in an ungodly world, we're supposed to live holy. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? You won't find many people wanting to live holy lives nowadays. But God's word commands it. And don't mistake, listen to me, I'm going to speak to somebody right now. Do not mistake God's silence in your life as his acceptance of your sin. I'm going to say that again. Do not accept God's silence in your life as his, as his acceptance to your sin. If anybody's read their Bibles, the Bible in, in Revelation 20 says, and the books were opened. He's keeping a book. Amen. That's why at the end of every day, I say, Lord, forgive me. I don't know that I've done anything wrong, but I'm just going to cover my... Let's move on. Amen. Don't mistake God's silence for God's acceptance. When judgment comes to this earth, it will not stop until God is done. What this earth and mankind is experiencing right now is God's love and his grace and his long suffering. But when the rapture of the church takes place, all that ends. No more grace, no more long suffering. Yeah, there's going to be people saved in the tribulation. I'm not saying they're not, but they're going to have to lose their head to do it because they're either going to have to take the mark or lose their life, period. Read your Bible. Hallelujah. Gotten awful quiet in God's house. Y'all must be thinking of somebody that needs to change, right? Hallelujah. It's not going to stop until God's done. The people left behind on this earth, I want you to listen very closely, are not going to like or enjoy what's coming afterwards. They're not going to like it. If you want to really know what's going to happen on the earth, I'll encourage the, the grown-ups. One's got your big boy britches on. Don't, if you're still a baby Christian, go, don't do what I'm fixing to tell you. If you want to know what's going to happen after the rapture, start reading Revelation chapter 6 and read all the way through 20. And it'll tell you what's going to happen. You do not want to be here. Amen. Thank you, brother. He won't be here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let me get back here. Right now, because nothing major is really happening in this earth, you have entire churches compromising their belief system, going away from the word of God. And this scripture right here says, when you break down the morals of society through the mindset of the people, you can introduce a new set of morals that will change the culture. And that's what we're seeing right now in this world. To move a culture in the way you want it to go, you must introduce 
a new moral standard. When the godly principles in which our country was founded upon are constantly being attacked like they are right now, what can the righteous do? I'm going to tell you what they do. The title of this message is Standing Firm on God's Word. You want to have victory in these last days, guys, you better learn. You're going to have to start standing on God's Word. Amen. Hallelujah to Jesus. What we're going to do is we're going to stand firm on God's word, no matter how much pressure the enemy puts on us, no matter how many trials we may face, no matter how much affliction we may have to endure, we're going to trust in the word of God. Are you with me? You may or may not know this, but there are certain denominational churches right now today that are welcoming homosexual priests, uh, homosexual pastors, they're uh, ordaining, they are ordaining drag queens as pastors, all under the umbrella of inclusion and acceptance. What is this? It's an attack on the foundation of God's word. If he can destroy the foundation, then he can introduce doctrines of devils and call it the new norm. Pastor, you're just being mean. No, I'm being truthful. I'm ordained to preach the truth. I love everybody. Amen. Is everybody welcome here? Absolutely. But you're not welcome to live the lifestyle that you want to live here. If the word don't change you, here's what's going to happen. You're going to leave. Because I'm not going to change the way I preach. You won't be able to come up to me after service. Well, don't you think this, Pastor? Don't you? Is it in the Bible? Well, no, but that's just what I believe. Well, you're going to have to change your belief. We believe the word here. We believe God's word. Amen. So everybody's welcome here, but we're not going to walk you through uh, this church and let you just believe anything. And I'm especially not going to let you start spreading it amongst the sheep. I'm a good shepherd. If I even hear somebody spreading that kind of garbage, you're going to hear from me. Not publicly. I'll take you off. Good daddy always takes the kids in the other room to spank them. <laughs> Amen. But you're going to get spanked. I will look for it. Not me. I, I love you. But if you, if you get sideways to this word, you're going to hear from me. Amen. Because I do love you. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. <laughs> this is a good message, isn't it? Hallelujah. Listen, we've all had issues in our life at one time or another. I was the king of issues. So people may come in here that way. You can come in here any way you want to, but you're going to have to change. Amen. And we're here to love them. We're here to help them. But we're not going to leave them the way they came in. How many of you would agree that God didn't leave you the way you came in? Everybody better raise your hand. I'm going to have to ask the question again. When you first came to Christ, was you white as snow? No. We've all had issues. Hallelujah. But the word can tear down every issue. 
<laughs> right now we're seeing the same form of darkness attacking our public school system. Having what they call drag queen reading hour. Anybody ever heard of that? If you hadn't, Google it. Letting drag queens go into the elementary schools and they're in the guise of uh, reading hour and reading pornographic material to them. Parents, wake up. Hmm. This is going on all across our nation. And I'm not telling the parents. Many parents aren't finding out until little Johnny or little Susie comes home and says, look, Mommy, look, Daddy, what I learned today. This form of indoctrination is going on in our government, in our schools, and in many churches right now. Why? Because the devil knows his time is short. And for churches to give over to the give over the pulpit to someone who calls themselves a transgender, who dresses that way, who lives that way, and promotes that lifestyle, those churches are being infused with a doctrine from hell. And that form of doctrine will destroy the foundation of that church. What did he say? If the foundation be destroyed, then what are those righteous people in that church going to do? They're either going to go with what the church is or like many churches right now, they're going to split right down the middle. And half the church is going to leave saying we're not going to believe that way. Well, when you come in here, we're going to start on one way of believing. That's the way we're going to stay. You'll not get me to change my mind about what we're going to believe. Amen? Amen. I'm going to believe the word. I'm going to preach the word. That's why there's not as many church, not as many people in this church <clears throat> as there is in a lot of mega churches because we're going to preach the truth in here. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Somebody say hallelujah. Those, as I said, those churches are being infused with a doctrine from hell. Today, our public schools have become a war zone, and the war is over the mind of your children. Why is that? To destroy their foundation. You now have teachers in certain schools promoting afternoon Satan clubs where they teach the children that there is no God where they teach the children that Jesus is just a fictitious uh, uh, fairy tale character, where they teach the, ch the children that the Bible is just another storybook. Those same teachers are telling children that whatever gender they feel like being, you, that they can be that. They're telling those children that if you feel like you are a cat, that you can be what they call a furry. You can be a cat, but don't tell your parents because they don't really understand who you are anyway. Indoctrination, guys. Just recently, and I, I'm, I, I copied and pasted this right out of the article. Just recently, the health and, <clears throat> excuse me, got to have another drink. Thank you, Jesus. 
Just recently, the Health and Human Resources or Services Secretary, Xavier Becerra, I've seen his, his signs up around the area. The secretary said, uh, Xavier Becerra said, or he confirmed that the Biden administration, listen to this now, guys, supports using your tax dollars to cover gender transition, to cover gender transition procedures for minors and adults that the healthcare providers have determined are medically necessary. Did you hear what I just said? That the healthcare providers have, are determining what's medically necessary for your children. What about the parents determining what's necessary for their minor child? What about mom and dad determining what's best for little Johnny or little Susie? Wake up, America. This is your government. And they're wanting to destroy the very foundation that God created this country to be. He, they're wanting to uh, destroy the foundation uh, of God's word in this earth. And I'm not saying these things to make a political statement. I'm saying these things to make sure that you recognize that th in this last day uh, that there's going to be persecution of the church, persecution of you, and persecution of your children. And that Jesus talked about that. Listen to me. If you're going to hold fast to God's standards or godly standards, not just in here, but out there in the world, you're going to suffer persecution. And God is looking for a church. Or better yet, God is looking for a people that will boldly say that no matter what persecution that comes, I'm not going I'm, I'm to go against God's word. No matter what persecution comes, I'm going to stand firm on God's word. No matter what persecution comes, I will not lower my moral standards of living. No matter what uh, persecution comes, my foundation and the foundation of my family will remain strong in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, we are witnessing exactly what Jesus said we would right before his coming. He said it would be like in the days of Noah. He said it would be as in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> and during that time, there was a gross darkness and a great perversion going on in the world. The Bible says men's hearts were full of wickedness. And we're seeing that in this present society. Destroy the foundation. Destroy the people. Look at this in 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2. And I know I'm keeping you long, but you know something? We're almost there. Hold on and hold out. Stand firm on God's word. Amen. We'll be done in a minute. I don't want to look up and see somebody dialing in the restaurant changing your, <laughs> changing your reservation. At the... <laughs> All right. Church is to 
2 Peter. And I want you to notice the contrast here of those who stood on God's word and those who didn't. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 5. It says, And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah. One of how many people? Eight. Eight. So God's not in a numbers game. <clears throat> but saved Noah, one of eight. Now look at this. A preacher of righteousness. Notice what Noah was doing when God told him the end was near. He didn't go hide in a cave and buy a bunch of groceries. He stored up some groceries. But he didn't run and hide. He didn't say, woe is me. Don't know what we and me and my family are going to do. No, it says he was standing on God's word and was preaching godliness, holiness, and preaching to abstain from immoral living. Maybe not from a pulpit setting like I have here this morning, but simply as a neighbor who loves their neighbor. Telling everybody, warning everybody that judgment was coming. You know how many people got converted? Zero. Zero. Millions of people. And he was preaching the same thing day after day after day after day. Telling people, warning people that the end is coming. You need to be ready. You need to be ready. You need to be living ready. Can you imagine what a modern-day preacher would think if he preached that many years and nobody got saved? <laughs> what a waste of time. But he didn't waste his time. And he did it because he loved God and God told him to warn the people. I love the people and I'm warning everybody that's under the sound of my voice this morning. It's coming. Judgment's coming and you don't want to be here. Amen. Hallelujah. No people got saved. <laughs> you know why? Because darkness and wickedness was everywhere. It was a way of life. In society right now, it's sad. And it saddens my heart to see people acting like they do. Darkness and wickedness is the, is the order of the day. And the people don't even realize it. There's not enough preachers preaching it. They're wanting to fill that 10,000 seat auditorium so they can pay them huge light bills. When they ought to be thinking about the people that's sitting in those pews and warning them that judgment's coming. All right, I'm going to get off it. Praise the Lord. But I do want to say this. Darkness and wickedness is just the way the world was. And they did not want the life that you preach and that you're living. A lot of people ain't going to want to hear what you have to say if you're even talking to them. They just don't want to hear it. But look at this. When judgment came, the whole world was judged. Not one of them were survived. Only the eight that were ready. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5. 
and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of the eight, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction. Look at this. Making them an example. If that's in your Bible, underlined it. Making them an example to those who afterward, who's he talking about? You and me. To those who afterward would live ungodly. I lived ungodly in one time in my life. Then I got a hold of the word of God. And I got to say, it wasn't through a preacher that I could stand, sit in an auditorium or sit in a pew and listen to. I had to get it off cassette tapes. Amen. How many of you remember cassette tapes? Come on now. Don't make me, don't look at me like in that religious tone of voice and make me feel old. Come on. But he made them an example to those who afterward live ungodly. And look at this, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. But if you read on, you'll see that he never partook of their wicked culture or their wicked conduct. In other words, if you're going over to your neighbor's house and he starts drinking and partying and listening to devilish music, what is your recourse? You need to go. Amen. You leave. You get up and leave. Hallelujah. Hey, that really silenced the church. Whoo. I heard that lead balloon hit the floor. He never partook of their conduct. Jesus said, this is how the world would look right before his return. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you, we're there. We're there, guys. And God has given us these examples that we're reading this morning to make sure we don't do what the unrighteous did. That we don't live that way. Why? So we don't suffer the same judgment they suffered. Let me tell you something. When God closes the door, guys, it's closed. When the trumpet sounds, well, you read, we sang about the trumpet this morning. When that trumpet sounds, the easy way of getting into heaven is over. No mas. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, in light of what we've already seen happening in this earth and what we know is about to take place, it is time for each of us to make a decisive decision in our lives that we're going to stand firm on the word of God. That the time is now upon us where every Christian needs to be looking in the mirror and judging their life. Where every Christian under the sound of my voice needs to make a decisive decision that no matter what, I'm going to live for the Lord. And if you're not there right now, you better get there quick. You better get there quick. Well, Pastor, you just, you're trying to scare us. No, I'm trying to tell you what's coming. I'm like Noah. I'm preaching that the end is coming. Amen. And I don't know what day or hour it is. I've done told some of you in here, most of you in here, I truly believe it's coming this year. But I don't know. Nobody knows. He could come before I finish this message. Are you ready? Amen. 
Hallelujah. But I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm trying to tell you just how serious the hour is. And if you're thinking, listen to me closely. If you're thinking you can continue to straddle the fence, keeping one foot in the world and one foot in God, coming to church on Sunday and Wednesday and living like hell on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I got them right. I can't believe that. <laughs> if you think you can continue to straddle the fence and God be all right with that, you do not know God. You do not know God. God expects every person who calls themselves a born-again Christian to live a godly life in an ungodly world. Not a perfect life. Don't hear me wrong. Not a perfect life, but a life that is holy and acceptable unto him. Not you, not me, unto him. Look at this in Romans 12, and I'm going to close with this scripture. Romans chapter 12. This is the first scripture that God gave me, <clears throat> 630 Easter morning, 1997, when I went to God, well, just like most of you may have when you went to God, I had a whole list of questions. What about this? What about this? What about this? Why isn't your word working in my life? How did I been going to church? Yeah. Just going to church didn't get me there. Right. And he gave me these two scriptures that morning. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm giving you these scriptures. Get these in your heart. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What? Holy. Holy. Acceptable to who? God. To God. Not to you, not to me. Which is your reasonable service? Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be proved. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? The Passion Bible in that verse 2, I love the way that it sounds. It says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of this culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. I'm going to read that again. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of this culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation. That means a total reconstruction of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life. I like that. Satisfying and perfect in his eyes. My brothers and sisters, the only way we will ever experience God's perfect will for our life is to renew our mind to the, his word and then stand firm on that word. Can you say amen? amen? Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. I hope you wore your steel-toed boots. I put it out there today, guys. I'm telling you. I can't remember the address, but there's a scripture. I think it's Acts 17:30. You can write it down, check me on it, and correct me if I'm wrong. <clears throat> but it says, there was a time when God winked at our ignorance, but now he calls all men 
and I'm going to add all women. But now he calls all men everywhere to repent. Oh, I was right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked. He's not overlooking your ignorance anymore. You can't say, well, I didn't know. Now, you might go into that other church. You might be able to say that. It's too late now, though. <clears throat> You've already heard it. Amen? Well, we cannot live God's will without standing firm on his word. And the first word he says, Jesus said when he came down from the cross, <clears throat> came down from the wilderness, not the cross. On the cross, he said, the last word was forgive them for they know not what they do. And then he said, it's finished. But the first word of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you look at it, first word is repent. We have to be sorry. Not that we got called, but sorry that we sinned against the living God. <clears throat> that gave us the breath, like the song saying, gave us the breath in our lungs. I'd love to be able to turn around some Sunday morning, especially when we're singing that song, and, and, and because you're realizing that he put the breath in your very lungs, that you're opening your heart, and you're opening your mind, and you're just praising and worshiping him with all that you are, and not just standing there, maybe doing a little clapping, a little looking around. You would not have breath in your lungs if he didn't give it to you. Amen. But the first word of the gospel is repent. So you may be in here this morning and you may be watching my live stream this morning. And you have been touched by this word this morning and you're really not standing on God's word. You're just living your life the best that you can. You may not have even ever heard that you have to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, that you have to repent. But the Bible is clear. So if you're in here, you're watching my live stream this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you want to give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ for the very first time, or you may be in this room or watching my live stream, and you ain't been living for God, but you want to live for God now, and you've heard this message this morning, it's pricked your heart, and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord and tell him, do what you want to in my life. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and put it right back down. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Repeat this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, your word says, if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, that I can be saved. Father, I believe you sent him to die for my sin. Therefore, I'm forgiven. I receive that forgiveness now. Jesus, come into my heart. Show me in your word what you want me to do, and I'll do it. I won't try to argue with you. won't try to talk you out of it. I'll just do it. In your precious name I pray. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you made that dedication to God, and you'll just, in the morning, get up and give your first time to him. Jesus is going to meet you where you're at because he's going to see that you're serious about what you just said. Amen? Last thing we always tell everybody that we serve a miracle-working God, and you're always the next in line for your miracle. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.